Welcome to another episode of the Music City Drive-In brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, I have another special interview for you guys. I interviewed writer and director of the upcoming short Freeze, Maya Albanese. We talked about the short. We talked about what she's been doing through this quarantine. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I'd like to welcome to the show director of the upcoming short film Freeze, Maya Albanese. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty solid. I'm very excited about this. We've talked a little bit before and and we talked since uh, I first saw the short um, freeze. But before we kind of dive into that, I kind of wanted to pick your brain on what was your first memory of movies growing up and what is the first movie you remember seeing? Oof, I don't know, honestly, what the first <laughs> movie I ever saw was. That's a tough question. But most vividly, I remember watching Terry Gilliam films when I was a kid, and maybe some of them were films I shouldn't have been watching because my dad let me watch whatever I wanted. <laughs> but uh, I, I particularly grew up watching this one film called The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, and I was really obsessed with that film. Um, I love how Terry Gilliam, in his earlier films especially, blended comedy, darkness, absurdism, a kind of psychedelic form of surrealism, um, and, and just like really brilliant satire. So I think you can see from my film and some of the things I'm gonna make next uh, that Gilliam was an inspiration to me. So I, I guess my next question was, what made you want to get into film? Was it him or was there more to it? Oh yeah, way more. I mean, I didn't know I was gonna be a filmmaker. I didn't grow up dreaming to be a film director or filmmaker. And I think about that a lot because I think that's partly because there weren't really any women directing when I was a kid. Um, I was born in 1985. So um, there were women directing, but very few. And um, the image of what we think a film director is was a white man in a baseball cap. So um, I definitely think that like I never even thought that was a possibility to be a film director uh, when I was younger. Um, but I did, however, write and direct a bunch of parodies and satires and, and theater and was a performer and a musician in high school. So I had this in me since I can remember, um, but I lost about 10 or 15 years doing other things after I graduated from high school very interesting things, but not filmmaking. And then I sort of organically fell into filmmaking by way of being a writer, a photographer, and a journalist, and then discovering that I wanted to do more long form work. And then I ended up at a film program at Columbia University in New York. And the rest is history. That's awesome. That's all, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, for me, like, I've always loved film, but like the idea of getting into film comes so much later in life after you kind of just watch people put it together or, you know, just kind of see it firsthand and it just kind of, it, it's like that internal clock. It's like, yep, that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, it's like, it's because I found it organically by way of sort of process of elimination of things I didn't want to do and highlighting things that really fed my soul. I really feel like I, I'm doing my calling now. I know this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I know it's right where I'm supposed to be. And even though it took sort of a la long roundabout way to get here, I feel like all the experiences I've had, I've lived in five countries and I've worked in every sector you could imagine. And those those experiences um, make me, I think, just know myself and the kind of stories I wanna tell and even better and more secure about what I'm doing now being the right thing for me. 
So now into the shorts. You wrote and directed Freeze about a woman whose biological clock is urgently ticking, meets an eccentric egg-freezing doctor who offers some peace of mind in exchange for the top dollar. Um, When I watched the short, it felt to me very personal. Is that the case? Why, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely the most personal film I've ever made. I actually never thought I would make this film. I literally wrote it as catharsis um, for my life experiences I was going through at the time a couple years ago. Um, I guess I must have written it when I was like 33. And then ironically, uh, it premiered when I was 35. And the film is about someone who turns 35. Because that's when they say your egg count starts going down and your fertility starts dwindling. Um, but, but a hundred percent, literally everything in the film is pulled from my own life or from the lives of friends or colleagues of mine. Um, some of the dialogue is directly pulled out of the mouths of men in my life and like the experience of going to an egg freezing consultation. And like, I think that it's heightened, it obviously freezes genre and it's heightened, um, but, and there's surrealism in it. But like the baseline story and dialogue is just like creepily realistic, actually. So the pressure is real for women in in shoes like yours, whether it's pressure from their mothers, their fathers, their friends. How did that kind of anxiety help you write this? Well, I think... um, I mean, like I said, I wrote it as a way to get onto a page what was bothering me and I think yeah the the bother comes from two things one is that uh we are pressured by literally everyone in our lives and I feel like you could draw a line and on one side would be the people telling you you gotta have a career you gotta be financially independent as a woman you know you can direct movies and run boardrooms now and you have so much potential and Um, there's that side. And then on the other side of the line is everyone in your life saying you're running out of time to have kids. When am I getting grandkids? You know, aren't you thinking about having a kid? You should freeze your eggs, you know, like, and so what it's like this cacophony of pressure of, from all different angles and pressuring us to do different things. (laughs) And I think that like the biggest, most important thing to note is that women, like in our thirties, as men know too, your thirties is when you work the hardest and ascend the most in whatever you're doing, generally speaking, um, where you, you know, get promotions or raises and where you first direct your feature or, you know, fill in the blank, but it's also our last hurrah for our fertility. And so it's like this, you know, cluster of, important decisions have to suddenly be made all at the same time. And it is incredibly anxiety provoking and the pressure from everybody externally doesn't help. (laughs) (laughs) I would say for sure, but I I don't understand. So I'm sorry. It's like, I want to say, I sympathize obviously with that idea, but um, I couldn't imagine in a million years what it would be like. Um, So for me, obviously the pivotal piece of the puzzle is joy, right? And the casting of Nora uh, Zettner, um, and her playing Joy, how did the casting come about? Because in my head, I guess in my head thinking, like this is obviously pivotal for you because this person wants to reflect this very strong personality, but kind of, you know, different person that also showcases to everybody in the world what a woman actually goes through. So what was it about her that said, she is my Joy? 
I like that question. Um, well, a couple of things. Um, Nora, you know, laughed to me that she she was my joy. Like she said that to me, uh, you know, because she is she is the person in this film in the sense of like her age range and and her her status um, in life. And so she could relate to the story a lot, which I knew would bring a lot of, uh, you know, bring a lot to the part when the person you cast is literally going through the same kinds of feelings or has been through them. Um, so there's that. And then in addition, you know, Nora's a really, has really beautiful expressive eyes um, and really amazing face for uh, close-ups with no dialogue. Uh, so I knew that she could express a lot without saying anything and that she could convey a sense of stress, anxiety, and vulnerability in a close-up shot just with her eyes. Um, and I, I think you probably can see that in the film, um, even if she's not doing something wild or or um, or even talking, you still feel something for her. Absolutely, like that's it, it was. She said more with her eyes and her uh, emotions and and her hands and her gestures than she ever, like, you know, with more the, with that than she did her words. And it was it's powerful and it's 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 also a great display of of, of phenomenal acting as well. And it was an easy sell for me buying into her and and understanding that she obviously accepts the role with the same idea that this is, you know, I, I can relate to this, you know what I mean? It, it brings that extra emotion to the role as well. Great. I'm glad that she resonated with you. For me, okay, so another thing that I found quite interesting, the technical aspect of the film for me works on so many levels, whether it's... Uh, the color palette that was kind of chosen for the film, I, I really loved the just kind of majestic colors of it. It was very light, but the score of the film by Ariel Marks. Um, so I feel like in my head, you could have went a couple different ways with the score, I guess. But for me, it was kind of like a somewhat horror-like score. So can you give me like your thought process behind putting that kind of score behind this short? Yeah, I, it was definitely intentional. Um, Ariel's like, incredibly talented and is a string instrumentalist. Um, and so I knew that I wanted vocal strings and what I call a broken music box, which you can hear throughout the film, which is meant to obviously symbolize a sort of a little girl with a ballerina spinning around and the idea of it being kind of broken because the fairy tale is, is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was actually part of, um, that was part of the direction I gave Ariel was that I wanted something that made me feel hope, hopeful, but melancholy. Um, and I think like the film's tone, I call it a tragic comedy, but it's, it really is meant to be like, isn't that funny, but it's also really fucked up at the same time. And yep. so one of the ways you can do that is something like taking a familiar comforting sound for a child, like a music box and bending it. But another way is to just pair uh, visuals that are a little bit absurd or funny or even light, but then with this chilling score. So what you're telling the audience to feel is uneasy about what they're watching, even if what they're watching seems like something they should be happy about. And so you can kind of create irony with the music like that. Um, there was definitely a choice too. like there's two different films in the footage we shot with those amazing actors, you know, there's a film that would literally just be, you know, pee your pants funny. Um, 
And then there's also a film that was really a little bit sad and and a little bit dark and even horror-like. And I decided to go the, the latter because I think it's more accurate to the experience we have as women in a patriarchy in our 30s. For sure. Um, so somebody sits down and watches Freeze for the first time, whether it's men, women, doesn't matter the age, It, it for me, when they watch it, what do you want people to take away from it? Um, I think I think people can take away, I don't want to tell people what to take away because I think that's one of the amazing things about movies is that when the lights go up, everybody can take away something different um, or feel what is relevant to their own life and themselves. Um, I'm sure like the experience, and it's funny, uh, a lot of men who've watched Freeze that really like it say that they feel so bad for her and it's so sad. And a lot of most women who watch it say it's hilarious and this is my life and it's so funny, you know? And so it is interesting to see how people process the film differently. I guess I would just say to take away from it that um, it was always meant to be a sort of candide style satire where a protagonist that just wants to have a great life and has bought into this great life and is a great optimistic person just kind of gets pissed on at every corner and what that shows about the world around her. Um, uh, so I kind of think people should think about the world around them when the lights go up, like how is the system right now not supporting women still? Like women are not getting the kind of support they need to both be mothers and be CEOs, yet we expect them to do that now. Um, things like paid parental leave and just general infrastructural support for, for moms um, and programs that help mothers who've been out of the workforce get back into the workforce, like those kinds of things, like they exist, but they're definitely the exception, not the rule in America. So yeah, that was my long-winded way of saying, I hope people think about the world around them and how it could better support and be kinder to women. I love that. It, it To me, the fact that we're in 2020, we still have to have that conversation. It's really heartbreaking. Um, it, it it really does, like, it, it makes me, it just, it frustrates me. I, I, I don't really know how to put it any other way than that. It's, you know, we have to have these conversations. You know, I've got a little girl. You know what I mean? I want her to grow up and be whatever she wants to be. You know what I mean? And and she's 11 years old. And in 10 years, she wants to be a director. I want her to be a director. If she wants to be a football player. I want her to be a football player. I don't want, you know, the fact that we still stop these things or they're not, you know, women aren't allowed to do things in the same level as a man is, you know, it's, it's, it's very disheartening, especially with raising a little girl in this world. Yeah, well... The good news is, is that things are changing slowly, but surely. And um, yeah, and I think even right now what you see happening, like obviously we live in like one of the most challenging times in human history. Uh, sure. But on the other hand, um, movements for social justice change and inclusivity are on the rise right now. And it seems like people are more willing to listen now than they ever were before um, on all kinds of issues. and you know, numbers are getting published that show that like still only 3% of top film directors are, are women. And it's just, 
it's you know being a being a film director isn't isn't like a overnight thing so absolutely it's like a (laughs) 10 years in to become a director and then 20 years in to become you know this level director obviously there's exceptions to that in history but i think it's not the kind of thing that's going to change overnight so once we put the systems in place to welcome women into the field you know it could be another decade before we see like genuinely even numbers and non-bias in films. Um, but I, I think we're on our way. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you mentioned um, we're going through one of the craziest times in the world um, ever. You know what I mean? Uh, what has it been like for the creative side of you during this quarantine? Well, I w- I'll be honest, my productivity is not at its height right now. Um, it kind of ebbs and flows because there's just a lot of noise and distraction and it's pretty hard to not be empathetic and worried about the state of, of the world and especially America right now. Um, but on the other hand, uh, for me, it's been uh, good, all things considered creatively, because um, I'm actually, I'm a full-time working director. So I, I direct a lot of commercials um, and spend a lot of time on set, which I really miss right now. But on the other <laughs> hand, I really like writing and freeze was the first thing I ever got to make that I wrote, um, myself. And so I've been able to, you know, get into the Writers Guild of America during this time. And I wrote an episode of a show and I'm almost done writing a feature and, you know, it's, um, it's allowed, it's, given me more time to work on new ideas and to write those on paper. And that's like a great thing for, for me um, and my career. And so I'm grateful for that time that things slowed down a little bit. Give me some things that you've watched in the quarantine that you just absolutely loved. Oh God, I've watched so much. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, well, shows, um, my favorite shows I've watched, I'm absolutely obsessed with sex education um, I'm basically like an Anglophile when it comes to film. So I, all the shows I love are British, I think. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I love End of the Fucking World and um, I Am Not Okay With This. Um, and Twistle's shows are amazing. I love, um, I've watched all of Killing Eve during quarantine um, and Sex Education. Um, Normal People is absolutely heartbreaking, devastating show that I watched, which is an Irish show. Um, what else? Uh, I've been watching some feature films, like I just watched Eliza Hittman's Never Really, Sometimes Always, about a girl who gets an abortion, which was a deeply stirring, realistic drama. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, it's funny because I know production's shut down now and we all desperately wanted to start up again. But I will say, like, despite watching something every other day, I still have like a hundred shows and movies on a list that I want to watch. So, so I'm like, I am not running out of content to consume. I don't know about you. <laughs> That's exactly what I've, like, I've made a list and somehow through this entire quarantine, my list has gotten longer instead of shorter, right? It's like, I start watching one show and I've, I've got like the ADD of shows. It's like right now I'm watching Succession, you know, I'm, this is my first watch through it. So I'm watching it and I'm just like, man, I really love that. And then it's like, oh, but what about over here? I'm going to watch this as well. And it's like, but I want to watch these movies. I watched Harry Potter for the first time ever the other night. Now I want to watch the other six of them. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's it's bad, but then like it's like I thought I would be able to watch more during this time and kind of knock that list down, but it's not been easy to do. 
Yeah, there's so much, so so many great films out there. Absolutely. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on. I'm just my name, Maya Albanese, on pretty much every platform: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I think the only platform I really regularly update people on what's happening with my films is Instagram. Um, so I kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of become my press vehicle for stuff. Uh, so yeah. What's next for Maya Albanese? <laughs> uh, hopefully getting out of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's the best answer. That's yeah. the best. <laughs> hopefully not being at home any longer. Um, but uh, what's next is I am pitching a show, um, a bigger, wider show, a uh, dark comedy that is spun off of this short freeze that we're talking about. So um, that's probably the most exciting thing I have going next um, is hoping to get the show made. Um, I've also written another dark uh, surrealistic comedy short, um, shorter than Freeze, a little shorter and simpler than Freeze, um, kind of Black Mirror-like uh, that I'm hoping to shoot before the end of the year because it's very a very pandemic-friendly shoot, you know, only two actors in one location. Um, and uh, what else? I Yeah, putting the finishing touches on a feature and just signed with new management. So we're going to hopefully, despite all the challenges, still have a good year. Thank you so much for your time. And I really, really appreciate this. And I really appreciate the short. It really, it really kind of sparked this creative side inside of me that really was just like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate reaching out. And I'm so glad that it resonated with you. And hopefully it gets distribution and many people will be able to see it.